Prem Shri Kaho Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nichananda Shri Dvaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaur Bhakti Vindiki Jai Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopopina Shaima Kunda Radha Kunda Giri Govardhan Ki Jai Vrindavan Dham Ki Jai Thura Dham Ki Jai Jai Maipudam Ki Jai 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 Ki Jai Bhakti Devi Ki Jai Jai Maharani Ki Jai Samaveta Bhakti Vindiki Jai all glorious to the assembled devotees. All glorious to the assembled devotees. All glorious to the assembled devotees. All glorious to Sri Guru and Guranga. All glorious to Sri Prabhupada, Mahon Vishnu Vraya, Krishna Prasaya, Buddhalashtra, Matibhakti, Ranta Swamitsa, Nathalie, Nastara Sarasada, Vive, Gauravani, Pachani, Nivasesa, Sinivadi, Paskachari, Satari, Vandeham, Sri Guru, Sri Jabadabhavan. Shri Gurun Vaishnavamstam, Shri Rupam Sagrajatam, Sadhana Raghunatam, Bitam Samsajivam, Sadvoitam, Sadvadutam, Parijana, Saita, Krishna Chaitanya Devam, Shri Radha, Krishna Padam, Sadhana, Uta, Shri Vishakam, Bitamscha. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Lifeless matter. Inanimate lifeless matter. Lifeless. Lifeless matter. Anyat. Anyat. Other causes. Other causes. Javya. Javya. Phenomena. Phenomena. Swabhava. Swabhava. Nature. Nature. Ashaya. Ashaya. Disposition. Disposition. Kala. Kala. Time. Time. Karma. Karma. Activities. Activities. Namna. Namna. Only by such names. Only by such names. Ajaya, Ajaya, by material nature, by material nature. Avehi, Avehi, you should understand, you should understand. Kritam, Kritam, Dan, Dan. Dvitiyam, Dvitiyam. Duality. Dualities. Translation and purport by Srila Prabhupada. Since this universe has no real ultimate existence, the things within it, shortness, differences, grossness, skinniness, smallness, bigness, result, cause, Living symptoms and materials are all imagined. They are all pots made of the same substance, earth, but they are named differently. The differences are characterized by the substance, nature, predisposition, time, and activity. You should know that all these are simply mechanical manifestations 
created by material nature. So this is a response to Maharaj Rubina insulting Jad Bharat and saying, oh, you're just some skinny, useless person. Why can't you carry my palanquin? And Jad Bharat here is saying, uh, none of this has any meaning purple. Oh, we, we might note here that as we're reading through this section, these are each just pieces. You know, each verse is just a piece of Jad Bharat's explanation. So here he's talking about illusion and the nature of illusion, and then he's going to go on to reality. So really all this verse is talking about is illusion. But Srila Prabhupada in the purport is going to bring us also to the ultimate reality. 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 What is the reality beyond the illusion? Purport. The temporary manifestations and varieties within this material world are simply creations of material nature under various circumstances. Prakriti kriyamanani gunai kamani sarvashaha. The actions and reactions carried out by the material nature are sometimes accepted as our scientific inventions. Therefore, we want to take credit for them and defy the existence of God. This is described in Bhagavad Gita 3.27. Ahankara vinudhatma kartaham iti manyate. Due to being covered by the illusory external energy, the living entity tries to take credit for the differentiated creations within the material world. Actually, all these are being created automatically by the material force set in motion by the energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, the ultimate cause is the Supreme Person, as stated in Brahma Samhita, Ishvarahas Paramaha Krishna Satchidananda Vigraha Anadir Adir Govinda Sarva Kanana Karanam. He is the cause of all causes, the ultimate cause. In this regard, Srila Madhvacharya says, Evan sarvam tata prakritvyani kalpitam vishnur anyat. Evan prakritvyadhara swayam anyanyadharo vishnur eva. Atas sarva shabdas cha tasmin eva. Actually, the original cause is Lord Vishnu, but out of ignorance, people think that matter is the cause of everything. Raja Gop Tasrayo Bhumi Sharanam Cheti Lokikai Vyavaharo Natatsatyam Tayo Brahmashrayo Vibhu. Things are contemplated on the ephemeral or external platform, but actually this is not the truth. The actual protector and shelter of everyone is Brahman, the Supreme, not the King. In other words, it's not the King who's Sat King Rahugana. It's Brahman, it's Krishna. Gotri cha tasya prakritis, tasya vishnur swayam prabhu, tava gotri tu prativi, natvam gopta kshite smitaha, atasarvashrayas chaiva, gopta charharikishvaraha, sarva sabab, sarva shabda vide yascha, shabda vrittir hikaranam, sarvantaram sarva bahir, Eka Eva Janardhanaha. The actual protectus is the material nature, but Vishnu is her Lord. He is the Lord of everything. Lord Janardhana is the director, both externally and internally. He is the cause of the function of words and what is expressed in all sound. Shirasho Dharata Yadvad Girivayas Tadvad Evatu Ashrayatvam Chagoptritvam. Anyesham upacharataha. 
Lord Vishnu is the resting place of the entire creation. Brahmanohi Pratistaham, Bhagavad Gita 14.27. On Brahman, everything is resting. All the universes are resting on the Brahma Jyoti, and all the planets are resting on the universal atmosphere. In each and every planet, there are oceans, hills, states, and kingdoms, and each planet is giving shelter to so many living entities. They are all standing on the earth of feet and legs, torso and shoulders, but actually everything is resting ultimately on the potencies of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, he is not ultimately a Sarvakaranaparanam, the cause of all causes. Evam Krishnam Stulamanu Brahadyad Asach Chasaj Jivam Ajivam Anyat Jarya Swaba Vasya Kala Karma Namna Jaya Vehi Kritam Dutiyam. Since this universe has no real ultimate existence, the things within it, shortness, differences, grossness, skinniness, smallness, bigness, result, cause, living symptoms, and materials are all imagined. They are all pots made of the same substance, earth, but they are named differently. The differences are characterized by the substance, nature, predisposition, time, and activity. You should know that all these are simply mechanical manifestations created by material nature. So generally, materially conditioned soul, we think that what we perceive is reality. And I, I think in terms of, well, this is good, this is bad, this is big, this is small, this is hot, this is cold. But here, Jed Bharat is explaining, this is all just imagination. And it has some very short kind of reality, but not really. It's, you can basically say it's unreal because these different manifestations of name exist for just a flash. It's kind of like a dream. When you have a dream, you know, and something's happening. There's electrical impulses in the brain. But what's happening is not what you think it's happening. Or just like a movie, you know, in the, in the, in the movie a television show, whatever, you know, there's people doing things and saying things, but none of that's really happening. It's really just three lights projected onto a screen, and the three lights are moving. Amazing that from three lights moving in different ways, we see this thing and that thing. And there's no real bigness and smallness and shortness and fatness, and there's no fire, there's no water, it's just three lights. Or on a computer screen, you know, it's just ones and zeros. So again, on the computer screen, we'll see this is happening, that is happening. And people sometimes enter into another world. I, I, I haven't seen it, but I've, I've heard about this computer game called Second Life, where you can build a house and you can create another body, an electronic body. And I, I even met some devotees who said they're preaching in this world, that they've built a, a, a computer temple, <laughs> electronic temple with deities and, and they're reading Prabhupada's books and having artik and classes in this virtual world, which I thought was pretty amazing. But that's actually what we're doing. You know, we might think it's very humorous. Oh, there are devotees going into this virtual world and creating a temple and, you know, reading Prabhupada's books and having kirtans in a virtual body with other people in a virtual body and none of them really know who they are off the computer. But we're doing exactly the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. The only difference is that here we're, we really believe that it's real, whereas when you're 
doing that on the computer, you have some sense that you have another identity. And yet we take things in this world so seriously. You know, Mahajrahugana took it so seriously that his palaquin was shaking. Right? Of course, Krishna's illusion is so deep that we feel things in a much deeper way than you would just watching a movie or playing a computer game. You know, a friend of mine just wrote that her granddaughter was attacked by a dog and had a whole piece of her cheek ripped off and eaten by the dog. So if a piece of your face is eaten by a dog, you feel pain. You know, whereas if you just have a, your character in a computer game and gets eaten by a dog, you, you may feel some emotional distress, but you don't feel any pain. So in this world, I actually am experiencing pain and pleasure. And it seems that when I'm walking, I'm actually walking and doing things. Although Krishna says in the fifth chapter, in the thirteenth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, you're not really doing anything. You're just the witness. You're not sitting. You're not speaking. You're not drinking. You're, you're, this, just, this is a character manipulated by the external energy of the Lord. So this knowledge is necessary to be detached, and detachment is necessary to have peace, and peace is necessary to have happiness. Krishna says you can't have any happiness without peace. I mean, we think that we're going to be happy by going into another movie. <laughs> you know, I don't like this movie, let me create another one. I don't like this dream, let me create another one. Let me make some adjustments. And let me earn some more good karma so I can pay to go to a better movie. Let me have some good karma so I can pay to have a better computer character. But that's not going to make us happy because none of it is real. I mean, we're, we Vaishnavas, we don't say that this illusion doesn't exist at all. I mean, a movie has existed. There's something there. There's a screen and there's lights and there were actors at another time and a director and a producer. And in a computer game, there's something. There's the ones and zeros of the computer program. There's the, uh, the lights on the, on the screen. There's the plastic and the metal of the computer. And there's, if it's going through the internet, there's the whole systems. And ultimately, there's electricity. And there's the person running the servers. And there's the person who created the computer program. And the person who's collecting your money to watch the movie or play the game, or in a dream, which is much more real even than computer games and movies in terms of our experience of it. When I'm in a dream, I also can feel pain, and I also can feel pleasure, which is very interesting, because none of that's happening to my gross body. So in a dream, I can eat food, and I can taste the food, and, and somebody can be running after me, and I can fall, and I can feel pain in my dream although there's no bruise on my body and there's no food in my mouth, which shows that all of these experiences are just happening within the mind. But in the dream, I can feel it more closely. Modern technology has not been able to emulate it. Right? Prabhupada talks about here how the, the modern scientists, they're thinking that they can create some inventions. Oh, we've created this. Uh, no. Uh, just like when you're, when you're in a dream, who's creating the dream? It's not even created by me intentionally. It's just sort of happening, and there I am in it. And if I'm playing a computer game, who creates the computer game? I mean, I can make some decisions. You know, I'm going to build a, an electronic temple instead of an electronic gambling casino. But really, everything's being done by the programmer, by the electrician, by the person operating the server. 
you know, I can choose, do I want to go to a movie on philosophy? Do I want to go to a movie on romance? Do I want to go to a movie on travel or on horror or whatever? But I'm not doing it. Somebody else is doing it. So, first of all, it has some reality, but the reality is not what we think it is. The dream has some reality, it exists, but it's not what we think it is. We're not really running down the street. There's just electrical impulses in the brain. And the computer game, it has some reality, but it's not the reality we think it is. Or the movie has some reality, but it's not the reality we think it is. It's all happening just on the platform of the mind. And beyond that, beyond that, there is Maya Devi herself, as explained here. And beyond that, there is Krishna. So we are to, first of all, learn from this, not to take this world so seriously. Now that's difficult especially when there's a lot of pain. You know, this is easy philosophy to say, but just if you get a little tiny piece of wood under your nail, then it's hard to remember any of this. Even the slightest disturbance like that, the physical pain, emotional pain, is so intense that we forget that this has nothing to do with us. So we need to be reminded of this constantly, that this world is fleeting, that it's not what it appears to be, that we are not the doers here. Ahankara vimudhatma kartaha miti manyate. So, ahankara, under the idea of false ego, I am a this, I am a that. I'm thinking, kartaham, I'm thinking I'm the, de- the doer as a mudha, as a complete fool. You know, only a fool manipulates the characters in a computer game and thinks, I am the doer. I am one of the doers, but I'm not the doer. These things are being manipulated by persons greater than I am, with greater power. So this way we don't take our lives so seriously. I mean, really, our lives are not that serious. What happens in our life, whether this good thing happens, or that bad thing happens, or this catastrophe, or this wonderful thing, by itself it has no meaning whatsoever. Just on the material platform. There's no meaning to anything we do. There's no value What is the value of manipulating ones and zeros? What is the value of manipulating three lights? It's it's some sort of a hallucination. It's just some sort of an imagination. But to stay on that platform isn't enough. And actually, as we said, it's very difficult to stay on that platform. As Prabhupada explains in the 12th chapter, to just work on that platform of jnana, you have to, he said, experience the non-perceptual feelings. You have to try to just stop everything. Just, okay, I'm spirit, I'm spirit, I'm spirit. I'm not this body, this world is, is just a phantasmagory of names, it's not important. I mean, that's helpful, but it's not enough. And the reason it's not enough is that there is a reality. So Jed Barthes is not talking about that reality in this verse. Srila Prabhupada quoting Madhvacharya, speaking about it more in depth, that there is a reality. Why do I want to believe that this world is real and that what I'm doing is real? Because I have an experience of something that's real. Why do I want to believe that this personality is me? Because there is a me. Because a me does exist. Why do I want happiness? Because that's my nature. I'm a a happiness person. (laughs) I'm I'm designed for happiness. You know, if all there was was this suffering, then I wouldn't mind it. 
We wouldn't mind it at all. But because I am something more than that, therefore I'm not satisfied. And the unfortunate thing is if you don't know the reality, you'll go for the illusion because we can't just remain in some sort of nothingness. Now, Avasuddha Buddha, those, those people who just go for the Brahman or for the void, they're not really purified. It's not enough. So just seeing that this world is illusory and that it's not what we think it is, that's not enough. One has to see behind that that there's Krishna. One has to be absorbed in the reality. So our bhakti process is not really just getting detached from the world by philosophy. I mean, in fact, if you really meditate on this philosophy of detachment, you don't want to do anything. Now you just think, why bother doing anything? It's all unreal. Uh, but that's, that doesn't satisfy us, and it, it's not a very, very practical way to live. And how do you do nothing? As Krishna says, there's action and inaction and, and inaction and action. You know, you can go to the Himalayas in a cave and do nothing, but you're still breathing. You're still doing something. You're not really doing nothing. I mean, I suppose if you can enter into samadhi and then you can stop your body from breathing, you know, slow down the breathing and the heartbeat and the metabolism so much that you don't need to eat or breathe and you're just absorbed in the Brahman. But even that, we find that great yogis who do that, they're liable to again be attracted by the illusion. Prabhupada always gives the example of Vishramita and Menaka. You know, that, that, that doesn't satisfy us ultimately, just the, just the detachment. We're looking for something more. We're ultimately, we're looking for Krishna. Even Krishna is looking for Krishna as Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu is Krishna looking for Krishna. Because it's so pleasurable to look for Krishna and have a relationship with Krishna, that even Krishna wants to have a relationship with himself. So that's the reality we're looking for. And, and interestingly enough, when we connect with that reality, then the illusion of the material world has meaning. Prabhupada gives the example of paper money. Paper, it's just paper. You know, we regularly take pieces of paper and throw them in the rubbish bin. No value. So why, when the paper is printed by the government, is it very important? Because it's related to the government. So because the government is certifying that this paper has value over and above the paper, therefore, we keep it as something meaningful. So in the same way, this world, it by itself... It is simply maya. But as soon as we see that Krishna is behind it, then even this illusory world of just goodness, passion, ignorance can have some meaning. And what is that meaning? The meaning is when it connects us with Krishna through bhakti. And one can appreciate, just like it says in the Krishna book and in the Bhagavatam, how Krishna is looking at Vrindavan and thinking, how wonderful is my creation. I mean, if we think, wow, Krishna is such a master magician and such a master illusionist that he can create this wonderful world. How wonderful it is. How, how perfect it is. How expert he is. And to get a relationship with him. So these are the two things that we need to do in our life. Become uh, utterly, completely, and absolutely detached from the material world in the sense of my being the doer 
and in the sense of this world having any independent reality. That must be completely, 100% totally gone. And to instead to replace that with full attachment that I am the servant and that this world is Krishna's magic. Just like we may appreciate a magic show. right? I've seen some pretty amazing magic shows in my life. And you know it's an illusion. You know the lady isn't really turning into a tiger or really being cut in half, right? At least you hope not. <laughs> you hope you don't find out later that the lady's actually cut in half. You know, and all these incredible things that these magicians do. And you know it's an illusion, but you're appreciating the illusionist. And the, the illusionist, the magician on stage, what is he doing it for? He's doing it for the appreciation of the audience. He's doing it for the happiness of the audience. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur says this world is also the leela of the Lord. Krishna is also creating this world for the happiness of his living entities who want this illusion and ultimately also to display his own pastime. So this is how we work in the world. After all, here we are. What to do? <laughs> We're stuck in this illusion. So to use it to develop bhakti in ourselves and others. As it said, this human body, although temporary like others, it can bring us to actual realization. And finally, we should say that although both of these things, detachment from matter in terms of being the enjoyer and attachment to Krishna in terms of being the servant, they have to ultimately be realized and experienced. You know, just speaking about them from the platform of, of intellectualism gives us some degree of satisfaction. It's like you get some amount of satisfaction knowing that somebody is cooking when you're hungry, but you only get real satisfaction from actually eating the food. You know, there is some satisfaction knowing that someone's cooking. If you're really hungry, you know, I'm cooking. Okay, I'm pacified. <laughs> but there's real food somewhere. But ultimately, one has to eat. So ultimately, we have to experience this. And interestingly enough, we don't exactly experience detachment and then Krishna consciousness. We experience Krishna consciousness and then detachment. So our process is not that first I become detached from the world and then I can become attached to Krishna from the Brahman platform. But rather, by being attached to Krishna in illusion, by being still in the illusion, but turning that to Krishna, the illusion gradually vanishes and I see things as they are. So we can focus on that, at least today. How can I, how can I become more attached to Krishna instead of being attached to the illusion? How can I use the illusory things in Krishna's service? How can I get my satisfaction and my success from whether or not Krishna is pleased rather than whether or not I accomplish or do not accomplish anything in the world of names? So, thank you. Questions, comments, additions, subtractions? I'm always thinking, I mean, this philosophy is so nice, but so difficult to come into a realized uh, uh, platform. Isn't it's, it? It's like, like you are not the body, and we have heard all, all of that, and so difficult to really be aware of that. I mean, if during the day, one time or two times, I'm truly aware that I'm not the body and really can feel myself successful. successful. <laughs> <laughs> if you have one minute, right? Uh, uh, or one moment in the day. 
But we're, yes, it is very difficult. I know. So uh, my, my question is, how, how do, do you help to bring those philosophical concepts into it? Into our actual realization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really seems to be grace. Uh. It just seems to be grace. It doesn't seem to be something we can control. Mm. And I see the fact that it's grace is part of the of what we're supposed to learn. Because what we're give, trying to give up is a hunger of imudhatmakartahamitimanite, I'm the doer. So we want to take this same I'm the doer mentality that got us into this whole trouble in the first place and use that same I'm the doer mentality for realization. I'm going to do my own enlightenment. I'm going to do my own prema. You know, and that's not what it is. We're, we're being trained that actually we're not the doer, we're not the controller. So I see that that's part of it. You know, we can, we can try so hard and it's just not, there's nothing there. And sometimes we're not trying that hard and there's everything there. And you can't even explain when there's grace. You know, like Narada Muni, when he got grace, he thought, okay, let me do that again. Let me do that meditation again. That, that prompted the grace from God. Just like, you know, materially speaking, if I push this button on the machine, like I have this little recording machine, if I push this button, it stops. If I push this button, it records. And every time I push the record button, it records. Unless the battery's worn out or the machine is broken. But with Krishna, it's not like that. It's not like, okay, I'm going to push a button and then there's grace. You know, I can go on pushing the button for weeks and months and there's nothing and then you can hardly push it at all and there it is. And I, I really believe that this is part this is part of what we're supposed to be getting, that we're dealing with a person. And how do we get there all the time? What is the, the process for getting there all the time? Well that's becoming free of passion and ignorance. I mean to come to a point where we're always in a, in a situation at least of, of Brahman, of realizing we're spirit. That means we have to be constantly in the mode of goodness, or almost. Probably would say sometimes 50%, sometimes 75%. From Madhurya Kanamani, it seems to be about 40%. I understand this to mean if you've got a, a curtain over the window, if you, once you open it to a certain extent, there's light flooding the room. The rest of the, you know, you're, you're still opening it, but the rest of the covering doesn't affect the fact that there's light in the room. So we have to get the curtain open to a certain extent. Otherwise, it's just kind of fluttering sometimes and some little light comes in occasionally through the flutter. You know, and it's often a momentary, like if you have closed curtains, there may be a momentary beam of light and then again it closes. And hopefully, as we progress in Krishna consciousness, that starts to open so that there's actually light. And how do we do that? Okay, we do that by getting rid of the things in us which make passion and ignorance necessary. And those things in us are our attachments, our material desires. Now, if I'm attached to something that's unreal, I have to be put into illusion to get it. Krishna's responding. So I have some anartas, I have some attachments. And therefore, Krishna's keeping me in passion and ignorance because I want to be in passion and ignorance. And because he's kind, he occasionally opens the curtain a little bit to give me some impetus to go forward. Because I'm saying, Krishna, I want to, I want to go forward. 
I'm saying, okay, well, this is what it looks like. And it gives me negative impetus also. You know, I experience the results of my past actions. So as my anartas become lessened, and I come more and more and more into Satvagun, then I'm more and more and more into this level of realization, until at a certain point the whole room is lit up. You know, even then, of course, you can still close the curtains again if you're really determined. You know, it is possible, it is very possible, to be in a state where one starts to see Maya for what it is and starts to see Krishna for what it is, and then again toys with material desires. In fact, that happened to Jed Bharata in this story, where the curtain closed again. But of course, once it's opened, it's that much easier to open it again. It's not, it's not hard to go back to the point of where it was open before. So I see this as, a, as it's, a, it's a working of Krishna's dealing with us as a person. He wants us to understand that it's not something mechanical. It's not just that if I sit in this posture and I chant my japa in this particular way and I follow this particular formula, that there's Krishna because he's a person. You know, I give people my email address, but that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to answer their email at all, what to speak of when they want me to answer it. You know, people sometimes get very upset. Well, I, I sent you a letter five days ago. Why haven't you answered? I mean, you just ask me, why is there something wrong? But just to say, why haven't you answered? I actually pull back and think, well, I don't even know if I want to correspond with this person. So Krishna's also like that. You know, why haven't you answered me? Why aren't you reciprocating with me? What's wrong with you? I'm doing everything you said to do. And then he's like, well, wait a minute. That's not the kind of relationship that I want to have with you. So there is, there is that going on, and it's also, as long as we're covered by passion and ignorance, you know, 40% or, or more, we really can't, we just can't stay in that space. So in the beginning, bhakti is, our process of bhakti is meant to attract Krishna's grace so that he removes it. And like I was saying yesterday, we get close to Krishna, he tells us the truth, at least in the theoretical platform, and then we choose. We have to choose, okay, I'm, I'm going to let go of this anartha. And Krishna reveals to us, he reveals to us, here's me and here's what you need to get rid of to get there. And will we do it or not? I, was, I got a letter from a devotee who heard a class I gave that dealt with, you know, renunciation. And they wrote back and say, well, I don't know if you really need to be renounced. You know, it's not necessary really to be renounced. And I thought, you know, it's, it's, so, it's so easy to justify holding on to our stuff. Well, it's just not practical. Or it's not practical for me or something like that. And then by holding on to these things, those things require, in order for, the, in order for us to have those things, they require us to be covered. So we're saying, okay, I, I want to see you, Krishna. I want to realize this philosophy. At the same time, I want to hold on to my idea of being the controller. And it just, it doesn't work. So that's a long answer, but I hope that that's... That's at least my experience, both the Shastra and my own experience. And dealing with so many people, I see the same thing. Anything else? Any other? Yeah. No, no, don't be sorry. It's lovely. Yesterday, that's because an intellectual you gave yesterday, 
you, you spoke at a certain point about the different yogas, karma yoga, dhyana mm. yoga, and then you come to the point of bhakti yoga and you say that's actually much easier process. Yes. And then the lady asks what is the definition of bhakti? And you say, no material desires. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is the easiest process. So, how, how do we. Because sometimes also I was giving this lecture on the demons in Vrindavan, mm. and, and I was explaining how as soon as bhakti is there, renunciation and knowledge appear. Yes. And one lady looked at me with a smile, and I could, I could understand. She was saying, but. How do you get this bhakti? Oh, mm. It's so so nice to, to, to speak like this, and so sometimes it is said to be so easy, but factually it's really it, it, not an easy. There's thing. one purport where Prabhupada says the process is easy, but the execution is difficult. In other words, the principle is very easy. Mm. The principle of the other processes are they're very difficult. If you talk about karma palatyaga, karma yoga. It's extremely, it's, it, this, this, the, the whole concept is very difficult. Mm. I'm supposed to work, I'm supposed to do work just for my own purification. That's going to be my result. I'm not going to work anymore to try to enjoy the results. That's very hard. How do you work without trying to enjoy the results? It's very difficult. Because our impetus for work is generally that we want to enjoy the results. Now, if we say, you're going to work to enjoy the fact that Krishna is enjoying the results. That's much easier than I'm just working for purification. It's a hard, it's a hard concept to understand. Like Bhaktisanta said, you put the money in Krishna's account. You put your sacrifice in Krishna's account. But if I'm just working for it to realize, realize myself, whose account am I putting it in? How does that work? It's very bewildering. It's also, not only is it difficult conceptually, but doing it is quite difficult because I have to basically go through a time of nothingness. I have to go through a time where I'm neither getting purified nor am I getting any material result. Then jnana yoga is very difficult. That's what we're experiencing to some extent here. That just studying, so we're right now putting aside everything else we're doing in life and just studying philosophy. And we see that if that's all we're doing, that realization of that is extremely difficult. Even just understanding it philosophically is very difficult. Just understanding, even intellectually, that what's going on in this world is just an illusion. and It's just goodness, passion, and ignorance combining. and It doesn't really have any existence other than that. Just even comprehending that intellectually is extremely difficult. And then being able to detach yourself from the illusion by meditating on that is also very, very hard. You know, you're, you're denying everything that you are. You're, you're, you're going, you're, you're trying to basically deny even your own self. You don't know much about your own self, so it's very, very difficult. Then jnana yoga is very difficult. The concepts are also very hard. They involve, you have to have all kinds of knowledge of the movements of the air and the chapters and the kundalini, and then it requires a tremendous amount of mental strength tremendous amount of mental discipline. You're, you're forcing your mind to be quiet. Which is, the nature of the mind is, it's a chatterbox. You know, the most talkative friend we have doesn't compare to the mind. I mean, I have some friends who are, who are really, I love them, but they're, they're really talkative and annoying. You know, after a while, just like, okay, enough. 
But the mind, my mind is much worse than that. My mind is never quiet, even when I'm sleeping. I mean, only when I'm in deep sleep is it quiet. Otherwise, it's always... So jhana yoga, you're trying to like muzzle the mind. It can be done. It can be done if you're very determined. But it's extremely difficult. And it's exhausting also. <laughs> you know, you're holding down this squirmy, restless mind. It's, it's explained in the Bhagavatam, like you capture a wild animal and you never trust it again. It, it might escape at any moment. Or I think of it as a very young child. You know, very, very young children like one-year-old, one-and-a-half, they're walking, and they'll walk anywhere. They'll walk in front of a car, you know, they'll play with anything. And you have to be constantly alert. Where are they going? What are they doing? To keep them safe, you, unless they're sleeping, <laughs> you know, or unless you have them in some sort of a restrained area. It's, so the mind is very much like that. And dhyana yoga, it's like trying to, to keep a one-and-a-half-year-old child, you know, contained. And so the, the concept is, is very difficult and, and the execution is very difficult. Bhakti, the concept is actually very easy. I'm part of Krishna. I'm, I have a loving relationship with Krishna. I, want, I, I cheated on him. I wanted to have a loving relationship with illusion. And so I left him to pursue my own loving affair. And now, and in order to do that, I had to be put into a dream world because what I wanted doesn't, is not real. I wanted something that's not real. So I was put into an amusement park. And unfortunately, now I need help getting out of it. I, I got myself, and I actually need help getting into it also. I can't be, in, be put into illusion on my own power. So Krishna had to... It's like one of those rides in the amusement park where you get strapped in, they, they lock you in. Those rides where like you go up, you've seen those? Like a Ferris wheel? Or like a, have you ever seen those rides? People go on these rides, roller coaster. Uh-huh, uh-huh, have you uh-huh. seen those rides? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like the Russian uh, the mountains? Oh, yeah, but it's a ride. It's a mechanical thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The people, usually children go and they have like a, Different, different rides people yeah, go yeah, on yeah. for some excitement. Yeah. So when you go on, somebody has to put you in. Somebody has to like lock you into the seat. And when you get out, they have to take you out. So this illusion is like that. You know, somebody, Krishna has to put us into the illusion. And then he has to also release us. And the way we get released is that we want again to have our loving relationship with him. And all of the items of bhakti are to develop love and to express love that's already developed. So that's pretty simple. Now, in one sense, doing it is easy because we already know how to love. Prabhupada gave this nice talk in Sanan, India. He said, everybody already has attachment. We already know exactly what it is. You know, I don't really know what working without fruit of desire is. I don't really know what that is. It doesn't make much sense to me. I don't really know what just seeing the world for what it is through intellectual, philosophical conviction is. I, that's a very, it's a fuzzy idea. And I don't really know what does it mean I have to raise my prana between the eyebrows and I stop all of the functions of the body. You know, what is that? I, I don't have experience of that. But I have experience of loving. We've all loved and been attached to somebody or something, everybody. I mean, we've been attached perhaps to our mother or our father. 
or a boy or a girl or a child or an animal or a pair of shoes or a car. I mean, there's been something that we're extremely attached to that we feel is the source of our happiness and that we're, we're, we're willing to give our heart to. Everybody's experienced it. So we know what it is. And Prabhupada says, just turn it to Krishna. You know? So that's the easy part of it. But why is it so difficult? I see one reason it's difficult is because we really are not very qualified in Kali Yuga to do anything. You know, we're... And in one sense, we have a special dispensation of Mahaprabhu, but, you know, in former ages, people had the ability, people had bodies and minds that were more capable of doing what we're trying to do. And my own understanding is that Kali Yuga is a time when the least qualified jivas can get human bodies. Everybody's got to get a human body at some point. So when are the really unqualified jivas going to get a human body? So here we are. So our, our, you know, our, we're not very healthy. We're, we don't live very long. We can hardly control our mind at all. We don't even, you know, we really just don't, we, we're not very philosophically sharp. So even bhakti is very hard for us. But it's also hard because we've become addicted to sense gratification. We've become addicted to seeing ourselves as a controller. Just like someone becomes addicted to a drug. But once somebody becomes addicted to alcohol or cocaine or heroin, or it's extremely difficult to stop. You, know, you, you read so many times of people where they go into a treatment program and they get clean and then they go back again and they get clean and they go back again. They just struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle. And they, they, they always need somebody in their life to help them with it, some, some other impetus to help them and take them through a treatment program. So I see that that's why it's so difficult. We've allowed ourselves to become addicted to illusion and we become afraid of giving it up. It's all we know. It does also seem that for some people it's easier than others, which we can explain by past life adhikar, and I don't know exactly why that is, but definitely some people find it easier than others. Some people seem to have a higher adhikar. And their ability to engage in bhakti and have it achieve what they want quickly is, is more there than for others. Some people it's a huge... Just like for some people being vegetarian, you know, it's a huge struggle. And for those of us for whom it's easy, we're just like, huh, how is that? It seems like that with everything else. But it's worth working for. I don't see anything else worth, worth working for. Like Rukmini said to Krishna, she said, if I can't achieve you in this life, then I'm prepared to undergo austerities in lifetime after lifetime after lifetime until I achieve you. So that's the view of the devotee. Like Mukunda, when, when Mahabharu told him it'll be, what is it, 10 million lifetimes or something? Before you can see me, and Mukunda said, yes, I'll be able to see you sometime. No, he didn't say, oh, 10 million lifetimes, why even bother? I don't see anything else worth achieving. You know, everything, else, everything else is just an illusion. It's just like trying to hold sand. It doesn't give, it does, there's no substance to it. And I see that any path other than bhakti is going to be much more difficult to execute and doesn't even have the ultimate... It, it brings you somewhat short of the ultimate goal. So, but it definitely is difficult. You know, 
had I had I realized how difficult this was at the beginning, I don't, you know, I, I, would, I don't know, I would have thought about it somewhat differently. But it's, you know, it's always risky to tell people in the beginning how difficult it actually is. And then you don't know how difficult it will be for a particular person. Mm-hmm. That's also true. I mean, we've seen people who in a very, very short time are functioning at higher levels of bhakti. You know, we see also people who after a very, very, very long time are still on a beginning platform. We see both. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, that's the nice. best I can do. I don't know how. I don't know how satisfying that is. Yeah, it's very, very good. All right. Yeah. Anything else? Anything at all? No. Thank you. All glories to Shri Prabhupada.